It's broken up. Welcome. Welcome to the last Friday of July. Oh my God, I can't believe this month, this summer is just flying by. I don't know where it's going, but it's gone. So I welcome everybody to the show. Welcome. Welcome to Owen. Welcome to Jean Jerome. Jean Jerome, I will let you start. I like these starts with you in it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Teresa. Aburua Boyan, Sam Alekum to anybody tuning in and to our, our usual friends and supporters of the show. This is Ancestralized episode 15. It's amazing. Wow. And July 31st, end of July, and we've already done this is our 15th show. And we're very pleased, very honored to have uh, Owen Craig Ballard, who is a Tata and Kisi. Yes. Uh, and with my lovely co-host, uh, Teresa. And yeah. uh, yay. And uh, just a little bit of a, of a bio for uh, Owen. Um, Owen is a folklorist and ethnographer specializing in Afro-Caribbean traditions of Central African origin, fraternalism, Celtic studies, and ethno- That's a Celtic studies. Celtic studies, yes. <laughs> and ethnomusicology. <laughs> And ethnomusicology, having received his PhD in folklore and folk life from the University of Pennsylvania, <clears throat> Owen has been variously a uh, musical instrument maker, bookseller, college professor, academic dean, and independent researcher. Owen is Tata Nganga, a voodoo saint, and is a master mason, orator for Lodge Intrepid, and GM of GLMN. R-N-A-C, affiliated with U-M-U-R-M. I'll let you explain those uh, <laughs> acronyms. What it all stands for. <laughs> Welcome. So, Owen, can you give us a little bit about that music? We played that music. What was sure. that piece by John Jerome, and what was it? What was uh, it called? So, so the, the song is a, a, a typical uh, song for Lucero. Uh, Lucero is a an an inquisi, a, a spirit that is very similar, Pungo, uh, very similar to Eshu Elegbara, or Eshu. Uh, okay. But uh, mm -hmm. we'll we'll go into more detail well, about that and a little bit about the Congo cosmology as well. Well, all right. So Owen, what I was take us briefly to... into explaining that piece of music and what that means. Uh, I was going to mention um, it was kind of interesting that you chose that particular piece. Um, it is, as with many follow songs, very specific. And so um, 
it does mention Lucero Mundo, Lucero Madrugar, uh, Lucero Primo, but it's also about Buy Suelto. And Buy Suelto, which translates as uh, the wild, you know, the loose ox, um, is oh. a very particular prenda or nganga. And okay. Buy Suelto is a particular prenda for Lucero. And it so mm -hmm. happens that it currently resides in a museum of Afro-Cuban religion in, uh, I believe it's actually in um, Regla. It's either, oh. it's like on the border between Regla and uh, Guanabacoa. Uh, but I believe it's actually in Regla. Uh, so I have seen Boy Suelto, and um, it's a very interesting exhibition because it's very old-fashioned kind of museum presentations, and they have this giant nganga with giant longhorn cow horn on it and firmas painted on the front that is probably large enough for you to sit in in the middle Whoa. and this is you know very dramatic and it's been on album covers and it's in a lot of other things and of course it was created for the museum display it's not a real nganga okay. but okay. as part of the panorama there there's a little pot off to the side that's kind of a rusty um makeshift um cauldron made out of you know, recycled parts and uh -huh. very crummy looking. And that happens to be probably the most famous single prenda in all of Cuba, Uy Suelto. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you, Owen, for that. I love it. Do you have a picture of that, Jean Jerome, before we start our questions? None of the prenda of Uy Suelto, no. No, no, okay. no I will find it later on. I'll okay. find it later well, on. And All right, perfect. So without further ado, let's dive into the questions because that's what I like to do and that's my job. All right. So Owen, welcome Owen. Owen Craig Ballard. <laughs> and and I like the fact that I got your name straight. So <laughs> Oh yes. It, that's most impressive. I have gotten Thank everything you. from Eugene to Ozzy. Do not ask me how they came up with Ozzy. Okay. Yeah, we won't go there. All right. I, so I my, have no idea. <laughs> my first question is, what would you say is your spiritual path? How would you define it in regards mm. to, okay, I'll let you go with it, but just let me finish it off. It's going to be kind of one of those long questions. Mm -hmm. In regards to briefly describing how being a folklorist an ethnographer, ethnographer, and yeah. academic dean with a PhD brought you on your spiritual path. Tell us that journey. Do I have well, to repeat myself? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I'm not okay. sure that being all of those things brought me onto my spiritual path. I would say probably my spiritual path brought me to all of those things. And, okay, perfect. Um, Go take it away. I, Tell us how that happened. Oh, 
<laughs> that will take the next when three hours. When did that happen? <laughs> but uh, most of my life, basically, my path is I was born and I'm trying to keep running till I die. <laughs> and whatever happens in between happens. However, <laughs> that's not the answer you're looking for, I'm sure. No, so, Owen. I need filler. I need filler. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, we will point out that I do have handy Corona Beerus. Perfect. Perfect. So I'm Cheers. ready for it all. Well, I have my but, drink in hand. It's my Coke. Straight uh -huh. Coke. Cheers. Mm -hmm. Nazdrovia. Yeah. So anyway, to be serious about that, uh, my mm -hmm. spiritual journeys began fairly early in life. I began to get Whoops! We've lost Owen. Whoop. Whoop. He must <laughs> began. Began. And then <laughs> poof, he was gone. <laughs> I'm no sure problem. he'll come back. I'm sure he will come back. He'll reconnect. He will reconnect shortly. I'm really glad we got Owen. Owen is a yeah, character. Absolutely. I've been watching him. I think he's a hoot and a holler. <laughs> and if he's tuning in, he's probably hearing me say that. And if he isn't, oh, well, <laughs> he can look back I at the do, show and I hear do, me say it. Here I he comes. Do, I do not know what happened there. Suddenly the page swept to the side and you were all gone. <laughs> I know. We were saying Owen. that. Like. Owen, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm going to say this in Spanish. Owen, con permiso, con permiso de tu ángel, why did you give it? Echa un poquito de la cerveza esa a los muertos, porque sea un poquito en el dedo gordo. Porque eso pasó, que tú me tuve tu mesa de ponerlo un poquito bueno, muerto. Yo lo hice antes. Yeah, no, pero échale un poquito. <laughs> porque él es la cerveza. Ya hizo un poco más. <laughs> Echa un poquito más. <laughs> No, no, no. Ellos son, ellos son insoportables. <laughs> so to translate, Teresa, I told him uh, to put a little libation of the beer mm -hmm. he's drinking now to the ancestors, to the spirits. Yeah, and I said I already did that. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. they're impossible. <laughs> Greedy guts. Okay. All right. So, but we All always right. we always make sure they got plenty. That's right. That's right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Just and just in case you're doubting that, look at the corner here. Oh yeah. Oh no, we don't doubt you. You're <laughs> <laughs> shocked. So. All right, Owen. So, so once again, anyway. take it away. When right, did this? So, when did this path start and everything else? Oh, I suppose it started with. In a loose way, in third grade, uh -huh. when we had an assignment, this just is sort of an example. Right, right. But we'd been given an assignment to memorize a poem uh -huh. to recite in class. Okay, and what was it? My Well, we were just told to pick one and recite it, so I did. And uh -huh. uh, my third grade teacher had to ask my parents who put me up to it because I started, oh, little fly, thy summer's play, my thoughtless hand hath brushed away. Uh 
and she was not prepared um, for me to start reading, reciting something like that. I don't know the poem, so I... Uh, I, I what's that? It's, it's a poem by Blake. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So, but I'm um, sure it had some sort of connotation to your spiritual path. Oh, well, yeah, it sure does. I mean, everything that Blake wrote was metaphysical. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah. she was kind of shocked that I, in third grade, was memorizing Blake. And okay. uh, my parents assured her it was my choice. Wow. <laughs> so... Um, you know, comparing the existential uh, realities between um, insignificant insects, the human being, and the Almighty, and all, uh, rele all relevant, all relevant, all relevant. Uh, so, within another couple of years, I was reading a lot about Celtic mythology and myth uh -huh. and legends, and ended up in the process becoming a fluent Gaelic speaker. But, you know, I also went through the stage where I decided for about two weeks I wanted to become Amish. I got over that in a hurry when someone explained to me what the lifestyle really was. Oh, my God. <laughs> you really? But okay. I got exposed then to things like Rosicrucianism, by the time mm -hmm. I was in sixth grade and right. um, all sorts of other uh, folk religious practice. Uh, I remember going to um, old school root and hoodoo shops by the time uh -huh. I was 10 and getting kicked out of them on a regular basis because they didn't want kids in there. So I would come back with my, much older brother who was a, a young adult at that point and they had to put up with me but you know then they were shocked by the things that i would ask about and buy so you know um i was precocious to say um, the least right and so by the time i was in my late teens i was doing uh things for Orisha and things for uh, Vodou, mostly mm -hmm. at that point uh, focused on um, New Orleans Vodou because that's what I had more access to in English. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. But then I became familiar with Haitian material as well. And mm -hmm. fairly quickly fascinated by um, uh, Brazilian Umbanja uh, and didn't quite realize why certain things drew my attention. I came to realize mm -hmm. much later that part of the reason mm -hmm. I was drawn more to Voodoo and to Umbanja um, mm -hmm. was its... Um, distinct Congo influences, which and is what, why the Congo, the Congo, the Congo influences um, within them, um, which are 
at least much less visible in um, mm -hmm. Cuban Ultra, and so was much less um, fascinating for me. Uh, mm -hmm. But the the things in Umbanda had a, have a strong imprint of the Congo, as does, of course, Vodou, Haitian mm -hmm. Vodou, mm -hmm. and I gravitated to that, and then much later became aware of Paulo, mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of an interesting passage as well. And I'll note this because I think it's mm -hmm. relevant. Um, Please. As finally, many years later, as grad student, I was, you know, already well familiar with attending some Vodou ceremonies in the city I was living at the time. Um, mm -hmm. And um, came across because of the influence of a fellow graduate student who was half Puerto Rican, half Cuban, and she kept saying, you've got to read Cabrera, you've got to read Cabrera. And so I ended up reading some Cabrera and by chance found a book she didn't know about, which was called La Regla Quimbisa de Santo Cristo de Buen Viaje. And up to then, I was mostly looking at the idea of doing uh, fieldwork on Brazilian religion. I don't know why I wasn't thinking of doing it on Vodou, to be honest with mm -hmm. you, since that's where I was. But I guess mm -hmm. the idea was that um, there was a lot more literature and a mm -hmm. variety of literature surrounding Umbanda, and it was mm -hmm. unknown and exotic, and it was, you know, possibly a chance to go to Brazil, which was, you know, not something right. I thought right. I should pass up. Right. Uh, and that was part of your studies, was it? Was this well, when you it were was, but, you know, it was part of my studies you? because I was already involved in religious practice. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, my master's thesis was on linguistic politics and Gaelic language music. And I said, okay, you know, that's not, re I love that, but that's not really why I came to do a degree. I came to do a degree because I made a deal with spirits that they would help me get it if I did something in return for them. Right. And so, um, we went yeah. and looked at that. And then when I found this book, this little, uh -huh. like, 101-page book by Cabrera on mm -hmm. La Regla Quimbisa, I said, oh, my God, this is home. Wow. And I proceeded to somehow, magically, locate a Quimbicero in New York City and uh, started talking with him. And he says, well, yeah, you know, you should be initiated after we did readings and so forth. But, you know, we're not going to do it here. You've got to go okay. to Cuba. So did he accompany so you to Cuba? He accompanied me to Cuba. Um, and within a few months, I managed to lose him because all sorts of things. But we won't, we won't talk about won't that here. There? Okay. One, right. one, of those, one of those stories that there are many people who serve purposes and uh, who don't fit in the long term. However, yeah. 
fair right. play to him. He did right by me in this regard. And I will be forever grateful for that. He introduced me to my godfather. Okay. And, um, and this was the godfather in Cuba, right? This was my godfather in Kimbisa in Cuba. Um, I was scratched about 25 years ago. And mm -hmm. um, ah, Roque. Well, Roque, what can I say about him? He told me when I first met him, you just missed my birthday. I go, oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. He says, yeah, it was a couple of days ago. I said, how old are you? And he says, oh, I'm 68. And when I talked to him again a year later, he says, you called, but you missed my birthday by a day. And I said, how old are you again? And he says, oh, I'm 65. <laughs> <laughs> and he, for all intents and purposes, this was 25 years ago, and <laughs> I believe he was probably 68, uh, um, and he looks exactly the same today. Wow. Wow. Gotcha. Dorian Gray. <laughs> mm. He doesn't have a portrait, I can assure it. Well, he does have a picture of himself up in the... In the um, uh, so but it's kind of a cartoon caricature. So I don't think it quite qualifies as a Dorian Gray portrait. <laughs> okay. But he's he's fortunate in that regard. So well, long life to him. Your, your friend I, Norman uh, Bayard says thank you for having Tata Owen on tonight. He's a good man and a wealth of wisdom. <laughs> yes, thank you, Norman. Yes, Norman, we're going to find that out. So, but an interesting aside about all of this. So I went to Cuba with the intent of Rayandome and Kimbisa, which I did. Okay. The, right. first, the first day I was in Cuba, mm -hmm. uh, the family of this gentleman who brought me there um, uh -huh. threw a big party for his return because he was a Merioleto, Merialito and hadn't been there for 20 years. So in a relative's apartment in downtown Havana, uh, there was a big party thrown. And for the previous two weeks, two of his brothers had been traveling around Havana, inviting everybody they met who stayed long enough, still long enough to talk to them. And okay. as it turned out, one of those people they invited to the party ended up becoming later on my brother-in-law. And he brought his sister with him, who uh -huh. we are about to celebrate our 22nd wedding anniversary in, a, in another month. Oh, nice. Congratulations. nice. Congratulations so, and happy anniversary. Um, so I will mention that because uh -huh. I didn't find this out right away. Uh -huh. But as it turns out, her father's family is largely of Haitian origin. In fact, oh. her father, God rest him, uh, spoke Creole before he spoke Spanish. And from Oriente in Cuba. 
And then I found out that my godfather in Kambisa also was initiated into some Haitian religious practices that exist in Cuba and eventually underwent those initiations. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. although I was going to Cuba, the Loire never let me get away. I'll bet. I'll bet they didn't. So, so now I know when we were talking privately, you had some interesting stories in Cuba, which I thought were, they were interesting and they were colorful. Did you want to share one of those stories? Um, remind me what I was talking about. The taxi drive, the taxi oh, driver. Oh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I rather enjoyed that story. <laughs> of course. So my godfather lives in a neighborhood called Reparto Fraternidad, which is a smaller neighborhood within the segment of the city of Havana, way to the south, known as Parga. And so I'm coming out of the airport, and of course you get accosted immediately by you know, mm -hmm. taxistas, mm -hmm. yes. you know, I yes. can take you somewhere, you know, I'll give you a good deal. So this one guy took hold of me, grabbed my bags, put them all into the trunk of his car. And I sit and down in the car. So, <laughs> right. You know, I'm, I'm his captive here and you know, it's all just fine because I need a taxi drive and I don't frankly care who's going to be the taxi driver. Uh, and then he asks me, where are we going? And I said, Reparto Fraternidad. And he goes, what? And I said, it's in Parga. And he jumps out of the car, unloads the trunk, the luggage from the trunk, and leaves me by the curb, pointing to the next cab driver and saying, he'll take you. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently... Reparto Fraternidad has something of a reputation. I've never seen any problems there. But okay. that, may, that may well be because of my godfather. Right. So right. on another occasion, I yes. got a taxi driver who took me there. And we're going. And I said, it's up at the next corner, turn left. And he stops. And he says, I'm not going any further. And I go, why not? And he says, hay un brujo muy malo que vive por ese calle y yo no me acerca. And there's a very bad brujo who lives down that street, and I'm not going near it. And I go, oh, you mean my godfather. That's where we're going. And he also gets all of my bags out of the trunk and then speeds off without being paid. I've oh, never known I've never known a hustling Cuban not to take his money, especially after he'd earned it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that story. So I get out and I'm then thinking to myself, oh, I gotta lug all of this stuff down to the corner. But this was all taking place in front of the house of one of my godbrothers. And he okay. was in the house and he comes out and he says, he's laughing hysterically over the whole thing. And he says, Here, let me help you. <laughs> <laughs> so we walk down the street. <laughs> Ooh, cute. Very cute. I love that. 
Oh, cute. Okay, so I'm going to go to my next question. I oh, I wrote man. them all out. Sorry, Owen, I didn't send them to you no, prior. No, 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 it's, it's, it's all based on our, our conversation. Which As I I'd like to point to. out, although I may be involved in Afro-Caribbean religion, I'm Irish, and that means, you know, if I don't Spons. know the answer, I'm happy to make one up for you. It's perfect. Storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now, in regards to your practice, your personal practice, um, your the the metho methodology of your practice, how mm -hmm. do you marry both the like your academic side and your spiritual side? Like, what is your your daily practice that you find, um, you know? connects you to your spirits and to your spiritual path? Is there something well, that you do every day that is... I, I am an initiated priest in a couple of traditions, so mm -hmm. I do that. Okay. You All know? right. So I, then have, I'm gonna... I, have my, I have my prendas. I have my things of voodoo. I talk right. daily with spirits. I talk nightly with spirits, you know? Right. Um, and, and that's because you're in a spiritista as well. Mm hmm. Well, right. that, that's sort of a given. And here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Most people in the U.S. don't talk much about that because mm -hmm. I will make a few enemies. But most of Afro-Cuban religion in North America is, mm -hmm. how should we put it, benighted. Is what? Sorry, say that again. Benighted. Benighted. And what do you mean by that? Benighted. Um, well, to slip back into my Irishness, they don't know their arse from a hole in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not fair. There, I mean, I mean, there are really no, quite a few. There are quite a few very dedicated, skilled, absolutely. and knowledgeable people. But there are also a lot of people who've had incomplete education okay. and habits within the community as at large are sometimes not the best. So okay. most, All right. most people, be they in Santo or in Palo, will mm -hmm. go en route to initiation and the way it usually works is they give you a bunch of Mises in a hurry. They say, okay, this is it. Try and remember it. Set up a bovita this way. Change the candles and the water every Sunday. Say a couple of prayers. You know, now we're on to Palo. We're going to scratch you. It'll ble you'll bleed a lot. And then we won't tell you anything more. Now you get to Ocha and this is where you stay. Oh. And... I know oh. I've already annoyed all of my friends okay. who are Santeros and Babalaos, but that's pretty much the way it works. And so I end up getting okay. a lot of people coming to me who say, well, you know, I got scratched, but they don't teach me anything and they never have. And everything is Ocha this and Ocha that and Ocha the other. And, you know, yeah, I have a Bovida, but I don't know what to do with it. And this is the reality. 
this is the reality because you have to go to that sine qua ultra of ocha and the santos will bring you everywhere well the santos will give you lots and lots of rituals you have to pay for and Mm -hmm. they take up Mm -hmm. a lot of time and sure it's beautiful and i love the music and i have the greatest Mm -hmm. respect for the orisha themselves but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of people get shortchanged in that rush and that's not the way it was no. meant to be. And it's certainly not the way I have seen it practiced, especially by older people in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And I, a comment uh, there by Sue yeah. uh, totally had agreed with you. No, yeah. you know it's God's honest truth. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. so Sue, Keith, Carmen Soto will say, I agree. You're telling the truth again from Keith Swift. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, that is, that's not to say that there aren't good things there, but people get into habits and communities Mm -hmm. get into habits as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, okay, I'm done knocking Ocha. I'm done knocking Ifa. Okay. Okay. I've made my point on all of that. And I hope I did it without being too offensive because there are a lot of wonderful things there. No, there's no offense. We we have to, if we look at the history of of the religion in Cuba, I mean, at the time, almost nobody is saying what I say. So I have to say it when I get the chance. If were my mom alive, she would be. Uh, My mom was uh, charged by UNESCO to do a study on the Afro-descendant uh, religions in Cuba. She, her name is Lydia gonzalez Ugué, And she published a book for the Academy of Sciences called La Regla Templo Casa de Ocha. And <clears> she met my dad uh, because uh, she published with him the first two full dictionaries of Vocabulario Palero de Cuba for the Academy of Sciences, which are, <clears> all those works are at the Smithsonian Institute and I have them here mm-hmm. in my home. And in the time of my mom, my mom had the privilege of meeting paleros that were in their 90s. Almost sometimes, he fell off again. Oops. And, uh, and wait you know, till he gets and, back, John Jerome. Yeah, yeah I'll, wait, he, I'll wait. I'll give him a chance. He probably hit the button. Yeah. Yeah. We'll wait till he comes back again. Yeah. We'll give him so a chance. In the meantime, shall I entertain you with my chair dancing? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We're going to get some music going. <laughs> or shall I show you my dog sleeping? Here he is. Here he is. Okay, I am going to ask people who are listening to this not to message me. Right. While we're on this, because what seems to be happening is people message me and it my phone knocks me off the connection. So please stop messaging me. You can do it all you want later on. Correct. (laughs) Yes, give us a chance to talk. Bandwidth and attention. No, but that was as I was saying, as I was saying, in the time of my mom, my mom had the opportunity to to go with uh, you know, to record, to go see some of the oldest paleros in every part, one one part uh, point of the island to the other. Mm-hmm. And, and as you say, it wasn't like that. Palo mm-hmm. was palo, 
Congo was Congo, regla de ocha era regla de ocha, and Ifa was Ifa. That's mm -hmm. why the three lands. And depending on the spiritual path that the person was defined, you were you you were oriented to the to the land which belonged to you, the land which was meant to see you flourish and grow. Mm -hmm. You had like at every age you've had people that are charlatans or people that you know would take you here and there, but there was a basic respect and there was a basic you know process in terms of taking you, you know, if somebody was said for health reasons they needed to be scratched and sworn to the to the nganga, they would do that. If they said that the person's ultimate path was to go to la, la Tierra de Ocha, they would do that, but not like a factory. <laughs> well, and I like to point out that the only reason there is any mixing in Afro-Cuban tradition was because there was mixing in Afro-Cuban families. And parents wanted their children to do the traditional rites of passage in their own culture. And in fact, right. that was often even a inflammatory subject within a family. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You know? So um, that's well documented too. But there was no other reason to do Palo and Ocha initially other than that you inherited the bloodline from both those nations. And right. the yeah. only reason that any order of, you know, do this first, do that second, do that last was originally established was simply a practical procedure to keep things orderly because all sorts of stuff was going on all over the place and everybody saw it to their advantage to establish a, a standardized path. There was never any intention to suggest that there was any superiority to one thing or another. Yet today you will hear people say, well, you know, you've done the Apollo because you had to do that, but now you can advance. And that's, pardon my French, bullshit. Absolutely. That's bullshit. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, no, for sure. What Owen says is 100% correct. I mean, the regla, the palo, palo, is its own belief structure. Right. Each of these fully each of these are are completely separate cultural traditions. 100%. How can you tell me that an entire culture is incomplete? Correct. And mm -hmm. another one Absolutely. is more advanced. But the truth but the truth in, in Cuba, the origin of that was also that for the regla de ocha, for the Santero, for the descendants of Yoruba and for the descendants of Ifa, when it came to certain secrets or certain aspects that had to do with the ancestors, working with the ancestors, like working with Egungu, working with Egbe, working with some of the mysteries that are inherent or belong to the patrimony of those respective belief systems, there was a void. Mm -hmm. Certain things came over. And because of the nature of the slave trade, a lot of these uh, groups were put in cabildos. In other words, they were, they were mm -hmm. to, you had Congo with 
with a person from Benin, from person from Nigeria, from person from Mozambique, from person from Angola. And they, you know, in, in the sense of survival from the slave masters and the abuse and all that, they, they, they learned from each other. They began to, right. you know, to, to, to exchange ideas. Change ideas. Oh. But, but the adoption of Palo, of the, the ceremony of scratching on, is because the same thing as uh, in Cuba, the, the going to una misa espiritual, to going to a, a misa, a Cartesian misa, was because that aspect within the the slaves that came over, they were Yoruba, they had lost that. They didn't, th those people didn't come with that as such. Oh, do let me comment. Okay, comment, go for it. Okay. <laughs> it, it should be noted that there are houses of Egungun mm -hmm. in the area of Bahia in Brazil. That's right, in Bahia, yes. In one of the islands off of the coast from Bahia. Mm -hmm. uh, that did not survive in Cuba. Correct. And it should and also be noted that Paulo, mm -hmm. although we deal with the dead, is not ancestral veneration. Correct. We deal with specific dead who are congregated in what we would call in Kisi or Minkisi or Zinkisi, which actually means medicine. Okay. Yes. So all medicine, of course, has a spirit attached to it. Right. Now, that is not ancestral veneration either because you had Nganga Marinda in the Congo who were mediums who would communicate with the recently dead and establish the procedures that had to be followed by the family living family members of those dead in order to arrange a an appropriate passage none of that made it across for the right. simple reason that ancestral veneration in the Congo was first and foremost established by community and established by locale, and it required the resting places of the ancestors to be accessible. You couldn't do that mm -hmm. 3,000 miles away. Right. Right. And so that did not survive. Plus, the context of slavery didn't allow for family to be maintained. So right. probably most people were going to be thrown together. They may have been thrown together with other members of their same cultural group, but very often not their own immediate family. Right. This right. could not survive the passage. So when Espiritismo appeared, and actually it appeared first with North American spiritualism, and then right. Cardicist Espiritismo, but another mistake that everybody makes, nobody involved in Afro-Cuban religions deals with Cardicism. They don't. The Cardicists in Cuba will turn up their nose at what Santeros and Paleros do with Espiritismo, and they will call mm -hmm. the Espiritista that does that kind of work Bajo Espiritismo. Mm -hmm. 
low spiritism. And they will even go so far as to say it's not spiritism at all. It's a, it's a, an African religion. And they deal with low, unevolved, dark spirits. And if it sounds like there's a bit of racism there, there probably is. Mm -hmm. At least not maybe intentional, not directed at individuals, but institutional. And that's okay. because, not because they are racist themselves. Mm -hmm. Some of them will be Afro-Cuban. But because the language of Cardicism refers to low spirits and evolution of spirits and right. the cultural framework of that posited African and Native American and other ethnic group spirits as lower, less evolved spirits. That was kind of racist. But remember, this all evolved in the 19th century during slavery. Exactly. So after, right. after the Cuban Revolution, and I mean the first one, not the final one, mm -hmm. um, which sort of actually attempted to incorporate what the original intent was, but, you know, that will upset a lot of people too. Um, okay. A few new forms of spiritismo began to appear, and new centers were founded mostly in Oriente, actually founded by leaders of the Cuban revolution against Spain, what people in North America are taught to refer to as the Spanish-American War. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And the first of these were what we call, in the academic terms, um, Espiritismo de Cordon. Cordon, Cordonero. Okay. Yeah. Now, for the most part, these terms are academic terms. If you mm -hmm. go to Cuba, most people are going to just say, oh, si, soy espiritista. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they, they don't distinguish. distinguish. They okay. don't distinguish, but they know what they do, and they'll go, oh, no, that's not what I do. You know, if they're, and some of them will know cordonero, but, you know, these were terms that were originally applied by academics. So most espiritistas don't use it. Most espiritistas will also all say, oh, yeah, I know who Kardec is. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, he founded espiritismo. Some of them will say they're Kardecists, but they've never read a book by Kardec. God love mm -hmm. them, because reading a book by Kardec is, well, let me just put it this way. I would rather go have root canal work. Any day. Okay. I'm laughing because I'm reading Alan Cortex. Well, then you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, as I say to George Jerome, I'm, I'm picking out, you know, I'm reading right straight from the start. And I said to him recently, actually, I said, why is it that I know all this stuff anyway, right? And then mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just, I've decided, like today I said, you know what? I'm not going to go linear. I'm going to pick and choose topics. So I flip through the book and I'm mm -hmm. reading through the book that way. Because let's face it, from what I'm seeing, some of the stuff that I'm reading, I'm like, okay, like seriously, I have to have a discussion with somebody about this because I'm not sure I'm really, you know, 
jiving mm-hmm. what he's saying. But well, anyway, we won't go there. We won't go there. Well, it's sure we can. I'm going to have a discussion we, with we, we later. Can, we can do that in brief. I mean, one of the, one of the things with Kardec is he was a Victorian writer. So think Charles Dickens. Remember, yeah. Charles Dickens was paid by the word. He's not going to say in one sentence what he can say in three chapters. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. True. So True enough. And he needs to repeat I have himself. A, I, have a fr- yeah. I have a friend who's very involved in um, North American it. spiritualism, uh-huh. uh, both institutionally and as a practitioner. I won't mention names here only because, you know, I didn't ask him beforehand. But if you go follow my page, you'll see he posts frequently and I repost his stuff. So you can probably figure it out. But I have asked him repeatedly to consider seriously doing the gems and nuggets of Kardec because he will post an occasional Kardecist quote that Uh is brilliant. And I go, how did you find it in the midst of all of that rubbish? <laughs> so, you know. See, um, I like, I enjoy reading the book. Don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying it. I'm learning a lot. Which I really one are am. You reading? Uh, but, oh, hold on. I have to get the, the book. Jean Jerome got it for me. Which one is it? The Spiritist. You're a bad influence, Jean Jerome. You're a bad influence. (laughs) Did you hear that, Jean Jerome? You're a bad influence. (laughs) (laughs) He knows. He knows. I don't mean it. (laughs) I know. I know. And I'm not taking it that way. So now, can I go on with my other question? Are we done with what we're talking about? Or did you want to just... Oh, I could go on for the next two hours on the same thing. So ask ask me whatever else. No, but the point point is that what happened was, very briefly, and then I'll give you back the reins. um, First, Cordonimo appeared in Oriente and in uh, the West alongside the reglas, because there's a geographical division in the West, you had regla, in the East, you did not. You had Palo, which was not regla de Congo, but unregla Palo. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's a discussion for itself. Um, and okay. you had Vodou, and you had Espiritismo. Um, right. Ultra was the thing of Havana and Matanzas. Um, and now it's spread throughout the island, but it's still mostly Havana and Matanzas. And you have Palo pretty much everywhere. And in Oriente, you have Vodou, which is Haitian, not Cuban. Um, and we can comment on the differences between Haitian Vodou and Cuba and Haitian Vodou that you're familiar with, too, at some point. But I like what um, Sue had to say. Sorry, Owen. I'm just going to read. I could talk. Yeah, until go right long. ahead. Interrupt yeah, me because so. I'm impossible. <laughs> no, you're not. I think you're quite humorous. I'm quite enjoying this. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Thanks, Sue, for that comment. That was cute. Yes. No. Uh, you know, like I said, these shows, I just sit back and, and I love when I can just sit back and listen to, to a guest talk and, and whatever. It's just like, it's like butter in my mouth. It, it comes and it melts and I, I learn, you know, <laughs> so I love this stuff. I really do. So, so in, in the West, okay. you had what we call cruzado, which simply means mixed. And there's an interesting point I'll make on mm -hmm. that, and that is the term cruzado has, as with many words in many languages, more than one meaning. So if you mention that, oh, you're practicing espiritismo cruzado, an espiritista may respond, well, yeah, okay, that kind of describes what I'm doing. I'm mixing it with ocho, or I'm mixing it with practice in palo. Or they're going to get offended and go, no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the way I practice espiritismo. It's correct. It's not fucked up. Because cruzado can mean mixed. It can also mean screwed up. Mm -hmm. As in... Um, crossed messed up right whatever so whichever meaning comes into someone's head initially how they take what you say they're either going to accede to that or object uh-huh and, and they're most all of right. them just, and they're all right and most of them will just say soya piritita right in the end that's and, what you, know, you want and if you walk down the road and you pass a dozen houses where a spiritistas practice, no two of them are going to be doing the same thing anyway. That's true. Yep. Because there is no Bible for it. There, Kardec doesn't apply. It comes down to your own spirits, your own ancestral mm -hmm. spirits. It's really what mm -hmm. it comes down to, your own ancestral army. And all, and all of that developed because there was no way to connect with family spirits in Palo or in right. Ocha. Um, and that wasn't the purpose in Abaqua either. And although Vodou does deal with family spirits, they too borrowed from Espiritismo. Mm -hmm. That's right. mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm done with that. Go on. Next. Okay. All right. Next, 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 next. Okay. So obviously you have a community. And so my question is, With regards to serving a wider community, as a Tata Naganga, would you say that you do it that way or as a Vudanist or as an Espiritista? Or do you combine all of them? I know you have godchildren, so could you tell me a little bit about that in regards to servicing the community? Yes. The answer huh? is yes. Next question. No. Okay. <laughs> Next question. Uh, no. Um, actually, my Vodou community and my Palo community, to a certain extent, overlap. They're small. Right. I've thrown out more godchildren than I currently have. <laughs> You're fussy then, want. are you? I'm fussy. Okay. And over time, I've learned from my mistakes uh-huh uh-huh and um 
I hope you can't hear all of the singing, but everybody, it's my wife's birthday tomorrow. So she and the sister-in-law and all are out there singing really tacky, modern, popular Cuban songs out of tune. That's okay. I love it. I was going to say, I hear voices mm-hmm. <laughs> that you are possessed. No, I'm kidding. Okay. So, um, so, yeah, no, that's cute. No, definitely. So, sing away. She can sing away. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to get in the middle of that one. Not for a million dollars. So, um, yeah, I do both of those things. And okay. I tend to also, um, both in relation to them, but also in relation to a wider community, uh, uh-huh. do a lot of readings in Espiritismo. Um, okay. But I've also been known for a long time, primarily in relation to my involvement with Balo. So, yeah, all of the above. Okay. All right. Okay. I like that answer, succinct, to the point. And so then what I want to do is I want to ask you because – we mentioned you as a master Mason. How does that play or figure into your practice or your belief system? Like, I found that interesting. I found that interesting when you threw, when, when we asked you for your bio and we were talking about this, how does that play into it? If you can just sort of elaborate. Sure. Sure. Well, of course it plays into every major Afro diasporic religious tradition. Okay, um, and how so? Uh, pretty much everybody's a Mason. I'm not. <laughs> uh, well, you can be. Do I want to be? That's another question. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll leave that one alone. Okay. Uh, but I, I will note that there are... Uh, Although mainstream North American masonry is male, what what most women masons in the U.S. would call male craft masonry, male um, craft, yeah, 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 meaning that it's all derived from the Grand Lodge of England, which mm-hmm. has this barrier. Uh, Continental masonry, three hundred years ago, began admitting women and still does. And so mm-hmm. even in the U.S., although there, we are small in number, there are both women-only Masonic Lodges and mixed-gender sure. Masonic Lodges. But mm-hmm. in relation to Afro-Diasporic religions, um, yeah. Masonry is very present. Um, the second to the current... Um, the second to um, the current, in other words, the previous grandmaster of, or actually, uh, yeah, the grandmaster of the um, Grand Lodge of Cuba, who is also uh, part of and the uh, head currently, I believe, of the Scottish Rite in Cuba, um, was not only a Palero and a Santero 
and a Babalao, but also the leader of the Grand Lodge of Cuba. And he was one of the members who founded the Letter of the Year in Cuba. Okay, that so, means nothing to me, but okay. Um, I know Jean Jerome yep. knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, you also have the Caballeros uh, de la Luz in Cuba, which is sort of modeled on um, modeled on uh, masonry but a nationalistic um, fraternal organization. Actually, it is both male and female membership now, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. which was um, founded with the in, in Philadelphia, by the way, um, with the intent of developing uh, independence for Cuba from Spain in the 1800s. And they have what is called... El Libro Blanco, and that includes a great deal of um, Afro-Cuban religious knowledge. Uh, okay, all right. Within it, um, Haiti, of course, is ground zero for all of that, because Haiti not only um, has an entire lineage in uh, in uh, masonry that connects mm -hmm. with the Loire, but it was historically one of the most important locations in the Americas for the development of modern Freemasonry. And it was through Haiti mm -hmm. that those traditions which developed into the modern Scottish Rite, which was created in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, came directly from Haiti. And also, um, uh, Martin de Pasquale, who was the founder of um, the um, Elu Cohen, uh, a very esoteric tradition grounded within Freemasonry, uh, mm -hmm. and which mm -hmm. is the origin of the modern version known as Martinism, went to live in the last few years of his life. So all of this exists in Haiti, and it's mm -hmm. a very live concern. And, wow. very, and there are, in fact, lois that are defined as Masonic lois. Wow. And See, I did not know that. So when I had been initially involved in voodoo. I got involved in some Masonic traditions and I kind of moved away from that when I did follow and mm -hmm. left a lot of that to the side. But when right. I connected with someone who wanted to do some work in uh, founding a new organization in masonry based mm -hmm. on French Masonic rites in the U S suddenly they started all knocking on my door again and that preceded my going and spending the next four or five years attending services regularly in a, in a voodoo uh, 
own fort in Pennsylvania before I ended up moving down here. Um, so even though my main initiations in Vodou are Cuban Haitian Vodou, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I was also became involved in something that was more directly from Haiti. Ah, okay. So I guess you've answered my question there. So I don't know if I had, but <laughs> no, I think you did. I think you did. I get okay. a better picture of it. So my last question before I sort of hand over the reins to Jean Jerome, who likes to knit things together. He's the knitter. I'm the one who starts things. So my last question to you. As an espiritista of Espiritismo Cruzado, do mm -hmm. you strictly speak with your spiritual allies or do you use divination as well? Yes. Is that a loaded question or? <laughs> I love to answer either or questions with the answer yes. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> so yes. Okay. And now for the elaboration. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, sure. I use divination. Every Espiritista does. Right. And they use a variety of divination methods, mm -hmm. um, often predicated upon what other tradition they're involved in. So, mm -hmm. while the sort of official standard most people expect is that an mm -hmm. Espiritista will use Spanish cards or right. regular playing cards. Right. If they are a Santero, they're probably going to use De La Wun. Right. And if they are a Polero, they're probably going to use Chamalongo. They're not going to use them the way they do in Ocha or in Palo, at least right. not in my experience. Someone can come along and contradict me, and I'll go, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because I, there are two types of people in any Afro-Diasporic religion, including Espiritismo, those who um, cling to what they were taught, and this is the right way and everything else is wrong, because that's what their imagination allows for, um, <laughs> and because of a legitimate concern with doing things right. But right. this is right. their orientation and their perspective. And then there are those, and I count myself among them, who go, well, you know, I know that there are a lot of different ways to do this, and so I will note, oh, I don't do this that way, and I may look askance at it, in certain contexts, but you know, it's the way someone else does it. And so that's okay because, you know, last time I checked, nobody had died and appointed me God in their absence. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but what I will say is that in my experience, the vast majority of the spiritistas are going to, um, use whatever system they use as sort of a starting point. It's mm -hmm. the engine that gets things started. Right. And then, right. And then right. once the flow starts going, they kind of, to use that horrible new age term, channeling, they channel what comes to them. 
Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I think you've answered that question. God, Owen, and you told me you were going to go on and on and on and on when we I were do. talking privately. But you're good. You were you're really good. You said you were going to you were going to behave. Thank you. I'm trying. So I'm, going to now I'm trying. It's it's usually it is usually a hopeless cause, but I try. <laughs> and I thank you very much. Now, Jean Jerome, you take it away, but I will interject now and then. So go ahead, no, no, Jean Jerome. No, no, no. So just just following on, just keeping on that vein. Um, so in your personal practice, do you, uh, in terms of divinity, are you more to use shamalongo, or do you go, uh, do you use uh, or go into possession, or or do or do you uh, consult by just by what you hear or what you see from the spirits? Yes. Yes, all the above. <laughs> Mostly. Mostly, it'll be a combination of mechanical divination with um, receiving messages in a conscious state. I do undergo possession, but not that frequently, and usually in the context of religious celebrations. Right. Okay. Um, there are two kinds of mediumship I use in relation to the Spiritismo and which I will use in relation to readings I do for people who are not godchildren. And that will be um, primarily a mix of using Chamalongo, sometimes cards, but mostly Chamalongo, and um, mm -hmm. occasionally... Siete caracole, um, if, especially if we're being pushed in the direction of, you know, talking about things related to voodoo. And I try mm -hmm. to separate all of those things and say, okay, we're closing this down. We're moving over to this because I am a totally, um, what's the word I'm using? Uh, looking for a totally rigid um, supporter of keeping every campo separado. Uh -huh. you, don't, you don't do, you don't mix. The land. So if I, well, first of all, if somebody, if some spirit comes up to me and says, okay, um, you know, this person has a path in something related to Arisha, I'm going to say to them plain and simple, okay, you need to go talk to a Santero or a Babalao because that's right. outside my frame mm -hmm. of reference. You know, I was media asiento. I don't do that. You know, right. uh, my prendas long ago ate my guerreros and my collares, and I couldn't find them if I tried. So, you know, they're in there somewhere. <laughs> so so now I, th I think for the benefit. But um, you know, I just, just let me make one other mention. And that is one of the things that I also do is a lot of mediumship related to dream. Ah. So it is not uncommon if someone has a reading with me that I'll go, oh, okay, 
Now I understand why I saw this yesterday because it relates to you and I share that. Or I come back to them several days later and say, by the way, my spirits told me this, 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 and this because they show up in dream. Absolutely. I totally get that, Owen. Totally. So, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, no, no, no worries. No worries. Um, For those of the people listening, we have a a very mixed audience. We have people that are in, in Wiccan tradition. We have people that are in o- Ocha. I know we have some people now that are watching that are in Palo. Uh, we have some people that are in Voodoo, both Haitian Voodoo, yourself with the Cuban aspect, Cuban Voodoo, and also Voodoo from Benin, especially in Fa, Voodoo Fa. We, we touched on Again, the differences uh, and in terms of spirit classifications and functions. Mm-hmm. We, that we made allusions to spiritualities that belong to one land or culture or, or sort of uh, linguistic and ethnic root versus others. But the question at a for those people that are listening, what in your how would you describe? in terms of both your practice, but also your academic aspect. How would you describe the difference in terms of, let's look at uh, by category, category of spirits, for instance, in the Haitian Voodoo Loa, in the Empalo, um, in Kisi, and if you look at uh, for instance, in Ocha, the, the idea of Orisha or Osha, how would you classify, like what really, like for, for people that are listening, right? They say, what, what are the different? Are, are, there, are there similarities? Are they, the, are they simply uh, the archetype of certain you know, natural powers, uh, primordial powers that were, depending on the land that you were, were called like Loa versus Nkisi or Loa versus Mpungo or Loa versus Vodun or Loa versus Ocha. What is after your trajectory and you've been in the different you visited a few of the lands? What is your how would you explain to somebody the 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 relationship and the differences between those spiritual families, let's call it that, and their respective areas of dominion or or um, characteristic okay well i will try to nuance this a little um i may not quite succeed um first of all i think there are fundamental differences okay i think there are also overarching similarities Um, mm-hmm. I will note this right now. I should have probably said it at the very beginning. If you are uncomfortable with contradiction, go back to the church. <laughs> okay, no worries. <laughs> I like uh, so, so there will be a bit of contradiction there. Okay. Uh, they are very distinct. They are very different uh, because the spirits of any given place and any given uh geography and culture are going to be different. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be the same. I would love to personally have the chance to 
work over Joseph Campbell with a, a pair of brass knuckles. <laughs> okay. Because, Why? Because he's done a grave disservice. There is not what? one story. There is not one universal thing to which you can fit everything. He tries to blend it all together and Wiccans and New Age people and to some extent people in other traditions love this and it's wrong. They are not one and the same just as you and I are not one and the same. And yes, we have certain similarities and yes, there may be a larger story that bears some similarities, but you end up with a lot of rubbish if you throw it all together and try to stir the soup. So while the the metaphor of the Cuban ayaco, the stew which mixes everything, is very tempting, if you've ever made stew, you know that you can really screw it up if you don't know the recipe well. Absolutely. And I would say the same. The Loire are not the Orisha, are not the Inkisi. Although I will also note that Loire is not a term you will find in West Africa among the Vodou of right. various countries. It is a Congo word. And right. that is to remind you that although the, um, the Asogwe tradition the Asson tradition of Vodou, which is what everybody in the U.S. and Canada is aware of, emphasizes a great deal of Fon, West African spirits. The vast majority of Haitian practice is Congo. All of Petro is essentially Congo. Congo, correct. And then there are even parts of northern Haiti where they refer to what in the south, they call Petro as Lemba. And Lemba was a specific initiation school in the Congo. Mm -hmm. okay. So uh, that's part of why I'm connected with Vodou, is because of the Congo part. Now, don't get me wrong. When Dambala shows up, I'm going to be real nice to him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I like the guy. So, so let let let's let's talk about it because again, people are listening, and you know, mm -hmm. you know what I'm referring to. You know why I'm asking you this question, or mm -hmm. why I'm framing this question, because this narrative is mm -hmm. ninety percent of the time told by an Orisha practitioner, or even God. a Babalao, right? So I'm I'm they're different, and my and my my purpose, our purpose for this show. Is to to give you know a, a, a voice and to make mm -hmm. sure that as you said, if you want if you want everything uniform or, or dogmatic, go back to the Catholic Church. Well, so and I will the differences is to 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 uh, to really bring out from you what you're not just what you've been taught, but also your experience, because as mm -hmm. you see, as you dream, as you do ceremonies, right? There are phenomena. And there are experiences and story of, of situations, right? As a Tata, you'll you'll have people from every possible ethnic background come to you with a particular problem or situation, right? Mm -hmm. So in, in seeing that, in seeing the interplay, I mean, 
like for people watching, like there's there is countless literature articles, uh, blogs, and everything else over for decades trying to establish equivalence equivalences. Okay. And Shasha's Loa is such and such an Orisha, but in this it's not. So take exactly. a match to it. Go, go, go deeper though, if you yeah. can. Go, go take a match to all of that. Yeah. And I, I will go deeper, and I will, I will actually take advantage of my also being an academic yeah. to make a reference that is helpful. Mm -hmm. Um. And one of the things about reading, first of all, nobody should get in. There are two things anyone wanting to go into any Afro-Diasporic religion of any kind or to go to Africa to stu study and take up a tradition there uh, should do first. And that is read everything that's in print, especially academic work. Right. Read it all. And then read the garbage that is also published. 100%. Read it all, good, bad, and indifferent. Mm -hmm. Because it's by reading and absorbing everything through every pore of your skin that is out there that you begin to develop what we would call critical judgment. Mm -hmm. And so many people go in and they throw themselves at the first person who says, oh, yeah. I can initiate you, sure, no problem. It'll cost you this. And then, of course, they come to me later and say, you know, I got screwed over by the Stata, and I need you to fix it. But by the way, I don't have any money left because I gave it all to him. And I go, nice to have talked with you. Absolutely. Because at a certain point, I realized I'm not here to fix everybody's mistakes. Absolutely. But, but uh, having said that, throw out the comparison thing. They only works to an extent. These different spirits may have certain areas of interest in common. So, for example, Siete Rayos is about fire. He's about thunder and lightning. Mm -hmm. and he's a bit of a warrior, and he's a hothead and will give you grief. And so Shango, all of those things. Mm -hmm. But that's where the similarity ends. You As do not treat... You, yeah. Mm -hmm. If you are a Santero, you are not going to treat Shango like you would treat Siete Rayos. And if you treat Siete Rayos like you would treat Shango, you're going to be in for trouble. Now, there is an academic who's written about this in Cuba who I think really hit it on the head. And the reason I say that is because I actually saw what he was describing in practice. And I went, okay, now this really makes sense. His name is Eugenio Matibar. He's a Cuban, mm -hmm. and I believe he's in Wisconsin. I think he's still teaching. Um, and 
he wrote a book on Afro-Cuban religions in narrative ex experience. And so he was talking about descriptions of it, but he was also talking about it in literature. And what he posited was that essentially we're not talking about syncretism here. These things aren't mixed. Right. They are not blended. They are not the right. same or an overlap. What we are talking about here, he described as being a system of multiple references. And he said, Cuba is an island that only pretends to have a, a single culture. It has several. It's got a bunch of different African cultures, Ashi. plus a European one. Ashi. And so Cubans find themselves constantly confused by this. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. the religious specialists developed a means of using multiple references. And he carries this out at some length. So to cut the long story short, I was sitting watching my godfather early on when I was still learning uh, the, the, you know, the very beginnings of things. And mm -hmm. I had read this book already. And I'll make one other observation about that in a moment. But um, he had this woman in doing a consulta. And, you know, he does some reading. He says, okay. So he says, uh, Siete Rayos wants something from you. And he looked at her, and the eyes didn't register. And he says, okay, Django wants this of you. And the eyes still didn't register. And he says, go to the church and light a candle for Santa Barbara and do this. And the lights lit up. Yeah. So he had found the set of descriptors that she understood right mm -hmm. and they all serve similar purposes even though they are different right right so this is a way that cubans developed for talking across cultural barriers within their own culture and i think that is a brilliant description no. But let me ask you a question. I, 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 because I have great respect for you and your, your trajectory, I, I'm asking you this question. I'm going to press the question a little bit further because I'm asking, so I, I understand the, the, the analogy and metaphor you've given, but be, so again, you, using the example of the, the person who's going to a, a, for a consulta, and again, we're using the, the closest association, cultural association to a divinity whose characteristics most closely represent or match the, the general character, as you say, you know, thunder, uh, dresses in red, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm asking you personally, at a spiritual level, in terms of the, the spiritual consciousness that you're accessing in the spiritual consciousness which you're working with. Do you believe in from your experience, and I, I'll explain why I'm saying this, do you believe or do you have a sense that 
you know, whether it be Siete Rayo, also called Ensasi, whether it be Shango, uh, whether it be Hevioso, or I'll, I'll, let me leave, leave it, let me leave it in Africa. <laughs> I won't go to Santa Barbara yet. But do you feel, from what you've learned from from like working, do you feel, and and also by the same as you described, people coming in from different backgrounds, that the 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 ability for something like that, you know, to actually like an embo, an offering, a sacrifice, lighting a candle, whatever it is, whether it be prayer, do you feel that the the those different lands, those different spirits, but that carry a similar characteristics represent two questions. One, a single overall consciousness, but just a manifestation in a different land? Or do you feel that they are diff completely different, and yet because of their association with the key elements that they govern or the key character, they Either you know because the spirit world doesn't have the barriers we have in the material world, that somehow there is some I won't say collaboration, but at least some communication between those elements. Okay, well I'm going to answer it a little differently. First of all, no, I do not believe they are the same. There is no overarching uniform entity. Okay, siete rayos or Insasi is Insasi. Mm -hmm. Chango is Chango. Mm -hmm. They are completely different beings. Okay. They are within their unique cultural contexts okay. responsible for similar kinds of conditions, situations, okay. energies. But okay. let me put it to you this way. Mm -hmm. A chiropractor is not a um, doctor neurosurgeon they okay. both deal with human health yes 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 they have very different understandings of what that entails agreed I'm not going to press that and say that there's any kind of um uh But, but you use a, a, a good good. I'm, I'm using I'm using a flawed parallel there. Yeah. So you know, uh, some people might say, "Well, yeah, but a chiropractor is no neurosurgeon." And sure, I would not want a chiropractor cutting open my brain and poking around. Oh, yeah. So you know, in that context, there may be viable uh, qualitative differences. I'm not suggesting there are in the spiritual context. They're right. just different. Right. But, but um, using that same but because, but yeah. because they deal with similar areas of human experience. Yeah. It is possible to read a general condition And if you know the different systems, suggest to someone how they might approach it in the one that fits their understanding. And if it feels more complex than you want to do, then you refer them to someone who does that. So if as a palero, 
or as a Santero, assuming that I were one, which I'm not, mm -hmm. um, I see something that's purely Palo, or I see something that's purely Ocha. I can say, well, you know, you need to have this sort of thing done, but you need to go speak to someone who works with that spirit. Right, 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 right. And so I can, I can note that there are going to be similarities of experience, similarities of issues across all of these different systems because they're all complete systems within themselves. Agreed. Which means they will have within them elements that relate to all of these aspects of human experience. That doesn't mean that those aspects are going to be identical. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. But if we use your same analogy or example, you use an analogy of saying, let's say, Nsasi is a chiropractor and Shango uh, is the brain surgeon. But let's say Nsasi well, I would rather say that Nsasi is a brain surgeon and Shango so, is a chiropractor. So, but, but, <laughs> let, but let's say they're all brain. Let's say Nsasi, Shango, okay, and the heavy are all have the same specialty. Because that's what we're mm -hmm. saying. We're talking about yeah. spiritual mm -hmm. archetypes that, that, that carry many of the same attributes, even behavioral. In some way, like in terms of the general, sometimes, 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 but, but similar. They, at least they govern many of the similar elements. Let's say fire, electricity, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. iron. You know, if we look at Ogu, for instance, Vodungu, Ogu, in in the Yoruba sense. So, if we look at that, but well, I guess what I'm just trying to because again, Jay Sword is asking kind of the same question after I, I after I pose it. Is again, they're actually what is the difference between the two, right? And she was asking, is it cultural or is it tradition? But ultimately, that question is is asking the same thing I'm at, which is, well, are they do they represent the same consciousness, or are they just different brain surgeons, to use your analogy, but they're all in the same specialty of medicine, right? Um. Yeah, well, I think that's a, a fair way to approach it. Um, if you've met a brain surgeon named Joe Lukash, you don't go around and every brain surgeon you meet, you call Joe Lukash. Exactly. You know, and they're all going to have their own views on things and their own approach. Uh, they may deal with similar things, but they are distinct. And I will put this as the caveat. See what happens if you try to deal with an Orisha like you deal with a Loire or deal with an Inkisi the way you deal with an Orisha. You're going to have a hot mess mm -hmm. because they're not the same. They won't right. behave the same. They won't accept the same things. Now, there are some branches of Palo that have kind of conflated some of that. There's even one branch of Palo I'm aware of that will put um, Otanis of Orishas in their premise, which will make any Olorisha squirm, but they will actually do that. I won't talk about the procedures they use because that's not open for public discussion. 
Of course. But I know that it's done. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. My lineage doesn't do that. Um, or my lineages don't do that because I actually have several initiations in different lines that follow. Um, but um, you can't just treat them the same. They he, are distinct. He, he just just there, is, there is a, a really horrendous habit in yeah. the 20th and 21st century. I would say some of it started in Cuba, but a lot of it was fed by the new, the neo-pagan and the Wiccan movements, and I'm not trying to offend anyone here. I'm just calling it like it is, uh, that equate everything with everything. Like I yes. said, if I could crucify someone, it would be Joseph Campbell. Now, mind you, I have absolutely nothing personally against the man. I'm sure he's fine as an individual. I've never met him. But I Uh think an awful lot of folklorists as academics would also agree with me that they wince every time they hear of him. Because Mm -hmm. everything gets compressed into one story. And that's just not the way it is. You know, I'm sorry, but I would slit my wrists if the alternative was tomorrow that the whole world spoke only English. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And but, it's but the I, same thing. But I, th- but I think same, these are not the same. There's I, no way they are the same. They have similarities. Let's leave it at that. I, mm-hmm. I think it's very important for people to hear that. Mm-hmm. Baba Prizes in Palito because the, the, you know, if you, although many Babalaos or even Santeros, you know, as I said, they may have, as you mentioned, gone through the fast track of yeah. uh, Palo, Scratch, then go to Cuarto Santo, and then after Cuarto Santo to Ifa, if you're a man. Mm-hmm. But, but at the end of the day, uh, there, there is a belief, especially also because, and also substantiated or, or backed up, because the, the Afro Cuban. Uh, Ifa corpus has many odus of Ifa. Okay, me voy in pronto. Have, you know, have many Sorry. references. No, no problem, no problem. Have many references to, um, you know, to Palo, to different, to, to Kimbisa. In other words, they, they, and, and there may be a situation where, depending on the odus of Ifa within the Afro Cuban, you know this, where it may say the person mm-hmm. needs to be scratched, the need needs to work palo, and you know there there's references within that corpus, mm-hmm. uh, and many many times, although they respect, Baba will respect the the autonomy or the independence or the the difference of a palero compared to a santero or or ifa, but many times you know as well, especially if they've been in the different land, they will sort of you know put it all under one sort of coat of paint. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's why I wanted to, to emphasize, um, uh, you know, that aspect. Um, one more question uh, uh, from my end, and then we'll we take can up take some questions, questions from up some questions and then the interest yeah. of time, because I know you, you're, you're being called uh, for something yeah. for your wife's birthday. <laughs> um, 
And please thank her for allowing us to have you with us. Uh, thank you. Thank we, you. We really appreciate it. Tell her we really yeah. appreciate it. We wish her good health and many blessings and a long life. Uh, for her Absolutely. Thank I'll share, you. I'll share with that. Um, my last question, uh, because somehow our, our paths crossed a little bit because of, and one of the things I first, the first thing I saw published for you uh, when Teresa introduced me to you and so forth was your reference to and a compliment of a book on a matter which is of interest to me of personal research for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to, to see how, if, and if, if at all, that aspect has, you've seen any evidence or any, any footprints of that within uh, Kimbisa, or within any of the uh, the paths that you have been initiating, mm -hmm. which is the concept or the 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 thing, concept of jinn. Yes, oh, the thank you. How, how do thank you? How do because especially in and I'll I'll just quickly preface it from part of my research. There is especially in Zanzibar, and to some extent in Tanzania, you have. Sufi. And Mozambique and, and Mozambique. Kenya. Exactly. You have a Sufi a priest, Muslim priest, coexisting and living side by side in a sense. Mm -hmm. what, what they yes. call, they use the term, uh, they don't say paleo, they say waganga. They call their priest waganga. Mm -hmm. and, I ha and I happen well, to have a, a, a Tanzanian gentleman whose family is waganga. And mm -hmm. also family is partly Muslim. How or what, if any, have you seen in the diaspora, but apart from that, if not in the diaspora or in any of the lineages you're initiated to, how, what is your interest? Where, where did you come? Okay, we, we come a little bit theoretical here. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say that there's a direct link either to Voodoo or to Palo or any of that with the Jinn. I will note that Majini are African understandings or iterations of what is more widely recognized as Arabic spirit practice. However, I would argue there is at least some reason to suspect that the origin of all of this probably was Africa. Um, I'm not going to step on those toes because I haven't done the work. Um, I have a friend, um, who, fellow folklorist, whom I met a long time ago because of our mutual interest in religion in New Orleans and the fact that we are both Irish musicians. Um, and um, we, um, he is much more connected in things relating to um, um, Zanzibar. Okay. And there is a tradition there called Ngombo Ya Unganga. Um, and Ngombo Ya Uganda, Uganga is the, um, the Ngombo uh, that is practiced Ngoma, rather, Ngoma ya Uganga, uh, that is practiced in Zanzibar in particular. 
um, with variations, the Waganga you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, and in all of Southern Africa and Bantu-speaking Africa, you have what are called Ngomo. Ngomo is, or Ngoma is a drum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is what was referred to by certain academics as drums of affliction. And the basic idea is this is a religious model. One goes around looking for cures for whatever is ailing you from psychosis to inflamed intestines. And eventually you locate a Nganga or doctor who has the spirit that caused it. You pay for your initiations and you perform the drumming for them. And you then become an Nganga for that spirit and carry on the tradition. And this is basically what Palo is. It's basically what a large part of Vodou is. It's basically the origins of modern Brazilian Umbanda. Um, and it's found throughout Africa, from Egypt uh, with the Tsar, mm-hmm. Mozambique, um, Kenya, uh, Tanzania, and so forth. And it's closely closely related to all of these. These are spirits who come down in crises. They form uh, links with individuals, and they serve Mm -hmm. as the possession spirits for possession priests. The the Tsar you mentioned are are common, I believe, in Egypt. Yes. They are female, and they, Mostly, yeah, yeah, and and they they basically they have a I'm going to use the word loosely a tutelar jinn that they work yes. with that allows them to govern and be the head of the of the group to do rituals mm-hmm. including drumming mm-hmm. in order to hopefully help to remove an afflicting yeah. or a jinn or so, a in causing problems. In Eastern Africa, there is um, the habit of taking gourds, decorating them rather elaborately at times with a lot of beadwork and and with carvings, in fact, making tops that have figures on them, uh, that is parallel to the Nkisi or uh, Minkisi of the Congo, but somewhat different in appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you see these, and some of them are quite elaborate and quite attractive, mm-hmm. one is immediately reminded of the um, the Aladdin's lamp in the Arabic story. Uh-huh. And these are the houses right. of the Magini. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes, so all of that's related. Um, I don't think you have a real close direct connection in the Afro-Caribbean traditions because most of the people did not come from that part of Africa. Um, That being said, they are all related. And you go back to Bantu Africa, and that relationship is pretty clearly defined as you move across time and space correct and geography correct 
So w would you say, just last question, and then just one question, then we'll, we'll begin wrapping up. Uh, would you say that, or have you heard, and or your experiences, your journeys, would you say that in the terms of Majin, that that practice or the way that it's, it's you know, that there's been some mixing of Bantu Enkisi with Jin spirit, spiritual knowledge or, or magic? Well, I wouldn't, call them the Nkisi, magic I wouldn't call them Enkisi because that's very specific to Congo. Um, I think yeah. they they represent different points along the trajectory of a similar tradition. So okay, I would say I would use the term distant cousins. Okay, fair okay. enough. Fair enough. Okay. So uh, we have a comment that be, from that, be, that being said, I don't think anyone who's involved in um, um, Waganga would feel lost in Palo. It would be totally different, but they would also feel that there is a familial sense. Oh, great, I agree. Okay. All right. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Yanni okay. Fakemi says, yes. I believe from my studies and experience that there are different entities that govern or inherited certain lineages. They also govern similar systems that deal with the same issue of life. This is why we see similarities, but they are not the same beings. Right. Yeah, that's my take on it. Absolutely. Okay. No, but that's good because I, I cannot yeah. tell you if, if, you know, sorry, I got a fly, which is trying mm -hmm. to get my um, you, you know as well as I, how much literature, how many practices, how many houses, right, uh, you know, deal with that or where that same question or that same quandary mm -hmm. uh, comes up, right? So, uh we could have another show, literally. There's so much more we could cover. But uh, you want to do it at some point? Let me know. Uh, we will. We will absolutely. Perfect. Owen, uh, what is a, a phrase, a, a saying, a motto, um, a philosophy you live by? Something that you no. know, from your journeys and all that. <laughs> I'm going to be. I am going to be. Freka, and I'm going to say. As my godfather said, you have a lot more to fear from the living than you do from the dead. Perfect. 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 I think that's very, very appropriate for our topic of conversation. I am currently uh, scrolling. Uh, if you want to, so if people would like to contact Owen, uh, you can visit him on his blog site, hedgemason.blogspot.com, or on Facebook as uh, Owen Craig Ballard. Or me, we, uh, Owen Ballard, or sorry, scrolling a little faster, mm -hmm. or uh, owen.ballard at gmail.com. So I'll leave that and, for a little bit. But uh, I will note on yes. that if you're on Facebook, it's Owen Craig Ballard, and I put in my middle name for the simple reason that there's an 18 year old kid who's probably a distant cousin That's of right. mine living right. in Derry in Northern Ireland, who gets totally freaked out by this stuff when he gets messages <laughs> meant for me. I can so imagine. In, in, the interest, in the interest of familial peace, uh, make sure you get it right. 
Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, so I we're love getting, it. We're, we're already getting calls for an encore event with you, Owen. Uh, I love for him to come back. Uh, Keith Swift says, yuppers. <laughs> yep, definitely. Owen. Says, thank you so much. And yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Owen, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you. Salam alaikum. Malaikum salam. And, I enjoyed uh, myself thoroughly, and, and, and I know long, that there's more to cover. And long life for your wife. May she have this new year of her journey through this world be with health, happiness, yes. abundance, Ashe. and Ashe. much, much love. Okay? Thank you. All right. Thank Many you. blessings. Thank you so Ashe. much. <laughs> All right. Okay, everybody. Thanks, thank you. And thank thank you to everybody who tuned in. Thank and you for tuning in, everybody. Again, thank you once again to everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe, everyone. And much mm -hmm. health and blessings. Thank you, Owen. Thank you. Thank you to my co-host as well.